as we speak, somebody coming out of a relationship that tore them apart, now they're stronger. Right now, somebody coming out of financial debt and they finally able to execute on their dreams, execute on their passions, right? Right now, somebody is finally becoming a better version of themselves that they always destined to be. So when I tell you that you could be a better version of yourself, I don't mean that there's nothing wrong with you. I don't mean that. I just mean that you can actually be better than what you is right now. I just, I just, sometimes I just, I, I sit back and I just can't even believe like, this is like, this is my life. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you just get a chance to just interview people with extraordinary things. And it's just like, damn, like, look what you've created and look what you pursue. But with that being said, what's going on, everybody? It's that ordinary podcast with the extraordinary thoughts that tells you to stop being great and be extraordinary. I'm your host, Demetrius Thickpen, also known as Meech Speaks. And welcome back to another episode of Extraordinary Thoughts for the Ordinary Mind. Pause. Let me take you back just a little bit. 2015, I was in Signanella, Italy, and I was doing my first MAI course. I already had my own type of stressors going on, and I remember coming down into the common area, and as I come down into the common area, somebody's watching TV, and they got the news on, and I remember sitting there, and I stopped for a second. I don't know why I had to stop, but I needed to stop for this moment right here, and as I was sitting there, I see these two gentlemen. Now, 2015, I say I was a corporal. You know, I have my own type of stressors going on right now. And I mean, obviously, I'm currently Ford. But I recognize those Marines on that TV. And they're, they're, they're being interviewed and they, they do like the B-reel and they show like the different aspects of them. And they're at a gym and they're doing this. And I, I'm sitting back the entire time and I'm thinking to myself like, Marines, like, we really do that. You know, like we could really take this and be able to do something bigger I would carry that thought with me for the rest of my entire career like I have never stopped thinking about it fast forward 2000 what was it 1920 yeah 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 I want to go on record and say that I was legitimately starstruck when I met you I was legitimately I remember standing next to you and I'm listening to George Anthony talk and I'm thinking to myself like wow he really does sound like that I'm standing, I had, I'm standing next to Koke, and I'm, and you walk in, and this is my first time meeting you, and it was at that event, it was at um, so Josh's SB. event, yep. yeah, SB. and I'm sitting there this entire time, like, I can't believe this is the guy, this, no, this is the guy, like, like, I, although it's been five years, this is that guy, I know, I know exactly who this guy is, and I remember right when you said something to me, like, I had to get my bearings back to myself, like, Demetrius, get it together, get it together. <sighs> So this, 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 this episode is definitely going to be a little bit closer to heart when you got somebody with 18 years of military experience. Let me rephrase that. This episode is going to be a little bit closer to heart when you got the founder of Mastani. Let me rephrase that real quick because this episode is closer to heart because I got Brian Gomez on the show. And this is the guy that actually like sparked a big entrepreneur bubble within me. Man, chills. Chills. The intro is it's way too far, way too much. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, man, thank you. Thank you. You don't even know. It, it's fitting that we get together right now in a time of uh, transition that we're Absolutely. both coming out of and going into. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Been looking forward to it. Uh, we've been trying to make it happen, but God's plan, though. So it's meant to be when it's meant to be. And here we are today. 
Always, always. You know, I remember when we were talking about it, it was right before the world ended. You know, I think it was before the new year. We were trying to lock that in, like, December time frame. And I think that was right when you were just getting to California. So how is California? Oh, man. It's been a transition. It's been an experience in many, many, many different ways that I can explain from a professional level been many up and down that you and I have been discussing. Mm-hmm. Professionally, though, it's been great. Professionally, it's been... I, I can't tell you how great it is. It has, it's been for me to just be here as a recruiting instructor, 8412 in the community, you know, and just being around Marines, I can't, can't express it enough. So. Now, this is the thing. Is that where are you coming from? Uh, the Big Apple. You know, everybody knows Northeast. The king know, of New York? You know, I, I want to say the king. Let me rephrase that. They, they, not, I don't want to be the king, not, never the king, maybe the mayor. The call mayor? Me, they called me the mayor when I was back east, you know? Now, so, how do you like it? How do you like it? From New York, compared to New York, to California. Oh, I, I'm a tropical person, so the weather to me is amazing, right? right. Uh, but being coming from the Northeast, as you know, personalities are a little different, adjustments, you know? But we get paid to communicate, right? We get paid to adjust. So... California's good. California's right. just a different environment that I had to adjust to. And it wasn't easy, you know, from a professional level and the different personalities. Uh, and personally, for me, you know, we talked about the mayor. And when I say that, it's just being able to, when you're somewhere where you're in your environment, you have everything you need, you know everybody, business, work, relationships, family, everything and anything that you wanted, you had it, and you're able to give it to come to an environment where, although I had several people in my circle, it was just a different, different world. So you're going from running the city, as you want to say, mm-hmm. to starting at the bottom, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just took some time to adjust. And then let's not forget, we got this pandemic going on. They kind of took someone who's used to being in the wild, kind of moving 100%. around in the jungle, running everywhere. New York is fast, fast. Every day, something to like, yo, <laughs> sit down, stop. Nothing. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I I hate California. <laughs> like 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 like. Let me get this. I don't mind Cali to a certain extent, but I'm gonna just be a frank. I prefer LA more than I prefer San Diego. Mm, that that's that's uh. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I have a theory. I speak to, to some of the guys. We probably mentioned this too. So North Cali, like Bay, and there is like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. LA is who do you know? Mm-hmm. And San Diego is kind of like, what do you drink? You know, what are you into? Type of thing. So people kind of talk a little bit more. I, I don't I don't mess with LA too much because everybody's looking for something and 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 if you're looking for it you're gonna get it right 100 or or people trying to come up and I think that's the differences in the West and East kind of like LA and New York City mm-hmm. environment you know I think there's a lot of people from LA that are here because they're, they're from here and there's people that come to LA in the search of something greater which is fine and the Northeast is just more people from New York like you know you're from New York. And you're there because you've been there for many years prior to your mother. Your mother was there. Your mother moved from Puerto Rico to New York. And then you were there. Or your, your family in Harlem or wherever. The years of people being there. So it's hard for New Yorkers to leave New York and, and not come back. You know, like people leave New York and somehow they always come back home. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy to say, but that's the difference, you know. But we, me, I'm, I'm blessed where I can just, I don't know, I, I, I gel with anybody. You know, I can, I can connect with people. So that's why I don't I don't let the differences kind of break me down. Mm-hmm. But uh, Cali's growing on me. San Diego in particular. San Diego in particular is growing on me. Mainly because of the weather. 
Yo, I mean, like, if I took, if we took away like the traffic on the five, I'll be, I'll be okay. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be able to sleep at night. But hey, having, a, I honestly haven't experienced it, right? Because remember, we're, we're essential personnel, mm. so hey, there was no first in August, September. I got here August, right? September, October, a little traffic, but then the holidays started coming and people started leaving. Since February. Oh yeah, we have not really experienced it. No, not, not at all. Recently, those. Like it just started. Yeah, recently back up. I was just like, oh, this is nothing. Remember, hey, you in New York? You got three three lane highway. You in the Cross Bronx? Anybody know about the Cross Bronx? And you trying to get out of New York City over the George Washington Bridge? You hit that Cross Bronx at two in the afternoon. You're not getting out to eighteen hundred, which is six o'clock. So mm-hmm. you're stuck in there for hours because you can't get out. There's no so like for me, people talk about traffic. Your traffic is pretty, pretty bad too. You know, like I, I heard that, like I had Marines that come and they were like, I don't even have a driver's license because yeah. I've taken like Take the, the subway. You know what I mean? The, I ain't gonna lie. I, I was one of those cats. I left when I left New York and I joined the Marine Corps, 9-11, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I didn't have a license. So when I got to North Carolina, I was driving. Don't, don't quote me, no. I don't want to go to jail, but <laughs> I was already driving, but I had to get my driver's license in North Carolina. Right. When I got there, when I left, uh, so I, and I went and got my driver's license. I was like 18 mm. in North Carolina. I didn't have a license in New York at all. I had a permit, but same. Take the train. You got you know public transport, bus. Train. You don't need you don't need nothing. You know I used to take the train from the Bronx, to South Bronx, all the way to Mashula Park for school. Take the bus. My boys had cars. I had a couple friends that had cars in high school, so we didn't need it though. Now keeping it on 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 the New York side real quick. Can we talk a little bit about Mastani? Oh, yeah, military style training academy in New York. That was like a, like a, like a vision, you know. Before we before Mistani, there was a place called Pure Power Boot Camp, and I only mention it because that was what opened up the doors at first, you know, on how you can impact people, mm-hmm. civilians, with some of the training that we've received from the Marine Corps. So, Pure Power, uh, Lauren Brenner, you know, I thank her because she was one of the ones that opened up the door for us in the Northeast area, and uh, unfortunately, she uh. Had an accident, and then she everything went well for her and her family. But she moved on, and Pure Power closed down. And then from there, I waited a little bit. You know, I was focusing on work and stuff, especially with the duty I was in. I was uh, on I and I at the time, and then we began really going to recruiting. So of course, the focus comes into the business. You know, to Marine Corps. Marine Corps always been first for me, but waited two years and it just came back. Linked up with my partner Irv, and I said, "Yo, we gotta get this done. We, mm. we, the the we need this. Like this needs to happen because what we were doing before, it was helping other people. It was helping a lot of the people in right. the area, and that's when Mastani came about, and we just ran with it, man. We just ran with it, and I remember the first Mastani we opened up was in a basement. Oh, okay. In the basement, the first one uh, on Hem- in Hempstead. So if you know that in Long Island, New York." I'm in Hempstead, New York, which is, I don't want to say the hood, but it's, it's not the best area to open up a business, you know? But there's a lot of Hispanics, a lot of uh, African-American uh, people within that area. So good community is just um, middle to low income, right? Right. But we felt that that was the right place. We found a good location. My partner, Irvin, who's an interior designer by heart, he can build you anything out of anything. He's like, dude, this is the spot. So he took me into a basement, and I looked at it. It was like a warehouse. There's a bunch of stuff in there. I'm like, I looked at Irv. I said, Irv, you're Bob the Builder, man. If you see it, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Three months go by. He takes me back to the same place, and it's an open layout. And all I saw, it wasn't completed, but we had the hurdles, and we had the green tarp down. I seen it. 
And then he had the camel, which that's what stuck with me that we stick to, which is the orange, uh, black, and green camel on the wall. So if you notice, Mistani is black, orange, and green. Those are our main colors. And I was like, that same day, I was at, I was at lunch. I got out of work, finished my work stuff. I went back. There's a Zumba studio upstairs. So what we do, I go to the Zumba instructor. I'm like, can I take 12 of your girls? So I go upstairs. In Spanish, hasta unos días, necesito 12 personas. I went into the Spanish. The ladies looked at me like I'm crazy. And I said, downstairs. So the girls went downstairs. And it was just me. And I already had an idea of what I wanted to do. Right. I gave them the intro, spoke to them a little bit. Um, and I said, let's kick it. So, you know, we, we don't do we do dynamic warm-ups. You know, we get the body going, get them uh, warmed up, five minutes. Ten minutes into the class, when I start blasting them, I'm like, run, down up, let's go, let's kick it, right? Jumping jacks, one, two, three, boom. And instantly, instantly, three girls stopped. Everybody else kind of looked at me. One girl started cursing me out. Don't nobody scream at me. Don't nobody tell me what to do. The other girl's like, I'm out of here. I don't want to do this. Freaking. And I was like, All right, bye. Get out. I don't need you here. I don't need you here. Get out. And the ladies looked at me and then spoke Spanish and stuff. So I was like, bilingual. I'm like going back and forth. Um, but long all 12 of those girls are still my clients today. Really? All 12 of those ladies, I want to say, are still my clients today. It was just a, an initial shock to what we were trying to do. And on, I mean, not knowing, right, domestic issues, mm -hmm. personal problems, you know. So when I'm coming at them as a male figure, being authoritative and aggressive is something they weren't prepared for. But all 12 of those ladies are with us today. You know, I feel like transition is just going to be like the, the, the whole driving force behind this episode. And I remember seeing that. I remember seeing y'all, and as they showed the B-reel, I was like, they really out here yelling at these people. Like, yeah. really, I remember really yeah. sitting there and, you know, I'm out there, hey, I mean, training like Marines and McMap, and I'm thinking to myself, like, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, they really doing this? Like, we could get paid to do this? Like, oh, my God. Yeah, we, we, push, the, we push the limits a little bit. We, we, we definitely, what, we just, we want to provide a, a more of a mental experience than a physical, right? When you open up a business, a training facility, the, the physical aspect of it is going to happen regardless, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're sitting down here in Braystone with, with, with George Anthony's gym, and Shout they do things George. a little different out here, right? So, GA focuses on a lot of different type of training techniques for different people. And that's what we're trying to provide them with Donnie and the East Coast is more like, yo, I understand that you want to get in shape, but do you really? You know, do you really want to make a change? And, and, and it's not only from a physical, it's more the mental aspect. So Ooh, that's our mean? focus. That's our, that was our main focus. So it's, it's hard to introduce to people military style. And we were nervous at first to call it military because people are afraid or intimidated by that word when it comes to military style boot camps and stuff. You know? 100%. So, you know, personal training group setting is what we do, but we focus on the mental aspect at first, you know, because we tell people, get out. They come back because it's a challenge, you know. You're going to quit on something right now, then you're going to quit on yourself. So you want it easy, you don't have to come here. 100%. 100%. And I feel like that's that. That's just something that a lot of people just, I feel like we just get away from that on, on just too many. Life ain't easy. In fact, if if life was easy, I don't think we'll be checking out so early like we normally do. Mm. But the problem is, is that as soon as we face some form of adversity, you know, as soon as somebody yell in your face, as soon as somebody punch you in the face, as soon as things don't go your way, you want to, you want to, you want to check out, you want to leave. And it ain't, it, and it just, it's crazy because it's like, you want to check out and you expect somebody to grab you and tell you, no, 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 don't, mm. don't, don't. You want to be the victim. But if somebody opened the door and say, go ahead, leave. 
that changes the whole spectrum of it. Yep. And just listening to it. And when you talk about that transition of, you know, the victim walks in, they think that, you know, all right, you yell at me, I'm about to leave. Then all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, fine then. We don't want you here. No, 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 no. You're going to want me here. And I feel like you play into the human nature of it, of humans just wanting to be wanted. Like, no, well, no, you, you are going to want me here. I'm going to stay and I'm going to make you want and, it. And that's exactly what we focus on. Is you're going to want to be at the gym. And then we tell people, hey, it's like boot camp, right? We go to Marine Corps boot camp. You've got 12 and a half weeks, 12 weeks, right? That's the basic to train Marine. You go to SOI, MCT, whatever. And now you're getting further training. And you become more efficient. Now you're becoming that professional, right? So it takes a while to build a full-blown Marine. Mm-hmm. And that's the concept we do at Mistan. But when it comes to time, when your training is done, that you're gonna have to go out into the fleet, right? In the, in the Marine Corps. Same thing at the, at the gym. My focus is you come here. I say, I need you here three to six months, right? After that six month mark, you're gonna make a decision whether you wanna continue to train with us so you can get better. But we, we, fought, we tell people, I need you here the three to six months. After that, you, you have made a transition or a transformation, and you're gonna go out into the world, and you're gonna go do different things, you're gonna train. And that's what we're trying to instill in them. We build that, we build that team, you know, like that family aspect within my training facility that people just stay and people just continue to get better and continue to progress. But we tell them, hey, we don't need you here forever because if I keep you here forever, that means I'm not doing something right. But you think it's a, it's a business, right? So of course I want clients to stay. <laughs> so I'm not, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, of course we got to pay the bills and, and we, we're doing, doing this to continue to grow, but people just stay. You know, now, just to switch gears just a little bit, just to speaking of stay, this Mastani just isn't, this wasn't just founded in somewhere that you were just so happened to be stationed at. This is founded in your home. Yeah. Like, you legitimately have ties to this place. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the beauty of being in, in New York for so long, right? Um, I'm, I'm helping people within my community, mm-hmm. you know, not only from, from Mastani, but, you know, we talked about Toys for Ties with the Marines and everything else that I'm involved with within the community. But just being able to be in my environment help my people um, and help kids that are getting ready to join the Marine Corps as well because we bring them to the training facility and we show them a little bit of what boot camp is going to be like. These are the kids from the Bronx. These are the kids from Brooklyn, Queens, where I was raised on that we didn't have that. You know, we didn't have this coming up. So being able to do that in my, in my area, man, that's, that to me was, that's what drives me. That's what kept me motivated and just, it wasn't really the money thing. The money's going to come. It was just being in my own community and helping out, you know. I always wanted to ask this question. And I ask this question, and I feel like I should ask this question. Let me rephrase, not even that I should. I feel like I'm compelled to ask this question right now. I remember when my recruiter met me. He was going in one direction. I was going in another direction. The reason why I stopped is because for some reason, the clothes that he had on just didn't match. You know, he had the royal blue pants, the khaki shirt, you know, the red stripe down. You know, I'm, I'm describing the deltas, but for me, I was just like, what the hell is that? What he did for me, and I remember somebody asking me this question before. They said, who do you think is more important, the drill instructor or the recruiter? Oh, let's walk this line. Let's walk this line. You know? no, let's walk this line. And I know, I know the answer, and I can give you a good explanation for it, but you know what I mean? That's just me. And although both, both the left hand and the right hand play two different roles, and, they ha- and they're both equally important, the one that changed my life the most was my recruiter. Tell me more. You know, and I remember where I was at when I met that man. You know, needless to say, like, it had a lot to do with a lot of illegal things that I normally wasn't supposed to be doing. You know, it had a lot to do with the fact that I couldn't afford to go to college. 
it had a lot to do with the fact that I was already going to be a parent before I was even old enough to drink. I was already going to be a statistic in my environment before I even attended the college class to know what statistics were. Now, although my drill instructor changed me into something, my recruiter is the one that founded me. So now as I sit across this table and I talk to you as a career recruiter and you have those family ties and you pick those people that are not, they're not, these ain't just people that you just stationed with. This is your home. I just really wanted to know the mindset behind that and what is it like to really like change your life. You, you hit it in the nail, right? We, we come from an area where not everything is easy. You talk about statistics, right? I have my son, whose birthday was just a couple of days ago, 17 years old right now. His 17 and my 17 are totally different, right? I like that. Where's you know, it going? You know, and then we just, I just talked about it because even though he's going to have to face his own battles, right? But at 17, I was going to combat. And my 17 was 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. So people can't forget that day. So my 17 was different. I already had made the decision that I was going to combat. I had enlisted in the Marine Corps to be an infantryman. So my 17 and my son's 17, nothing to compare. However, our environment, man, you know, we Bronx, projects, single mom, you know, dad wasn't around. I couldn't, you know, my two brothers passed away. You know, my, my brother my got analysis. killed in Nickelbacker Park. We talked about this, right? At 19, handcuffed to the bed, needle to the arm, to his friends, right? I could easily went on that route, you know, and I had to go. I couldn't stay there. So, luckily, the recruiter, Gunny Castaneda, was in my school. I used to play baseball, whatever, you know, I stayed away from trouble. I did pretty good. I love the ladies as usual, but uh, I still had a trouble, you know? And I used to play ball. I did good at school. So just because I didn't want to, I just, I already had lost too much. And my mother always took care of me. She did the right thing. You know, she didn't have anything. She gave me everything she had. So that's, I'm grateful for that lady. Um, Gunny Cast's day, he came to school. And at the minute I saw him, you know, before him, I had never really, before Gunny Cast walked in, you know, 9 11, I already seen them. 9-11 took place, so I already had made up in my head, like, yo, this can never happen again. Something in me said, this can't happen here, so I'm, I'm, I'm enlisting. But I had not seen the Marine recruiter yet. Gunny Cass walked into the, into the school, and that was it, man. He had the blues on because he had another kid in the, in the school. And I went to the gym. I went straight to his table. I said, I'm enlisting. I said, I want to join. Um, and he slowed me down, and he asked me a couple questions or whatever. And then he, like, he looked at me, and he said, you know what we do? And I said, not really, but I know I want to be a Marine. Mm-hmm. And that was it, man. He took me under the wing. Uh, growing up, the recruiter, man, to me, all the recruiters that I grew up under, meaning the Gunny Grells, the Kuros, all these guys that now became career recruiters, and I've actually had the pleasure of working with them. But when I seen those individuals in the office, the way they carry themselves, the way they talk, against that New York environment, the swag, uh, and they were changing people's lives. The Northeast is not easy, right? It's, it's, that's not easy. Not an easy environment. We all have struggles. Everything, you know, everybody goes through some stuff. But those guys just took over. And they ran. Like, they ran their sectors. They ran their area. They, everywhere they went, people showed love. Everywhere. I used to run up and down with Gunny Cass. Gunny Cass ended up leaving. So I fell under Gunny Rodriguez, who took me over. Because I was in the ship. And those guys, man, they just, they just, they looked different. They moved different. Their swag was different. They, and then there were recruiters, and then the, their bosses were just, just the whole environment, man. They were just, I just liked the way they moved, and I wanted to be that. You know, Gunny, Master Gunny Grell, who was the district training team chief, he was the one that pulled me into New York when I was supposed to go recruiting, because I was supposed to go somewhere else, in the Northeast area, but somewhere north. He's not going nowhere. He's staying in New York. 
with us. Um, but that man, big black dude, mustache, nice fade, chain, yoked, yoked. But he was the smoothest communicator. And he can talk to anybody and get anything done without any problems, without any riffraff. He'll make you want to jump off the roof because you believe that you're going to survive. And guys like that is the guys that brought me up. So my recruiter, man, I never had a problem with my recruiters. You know, a lot of, a lot of kids, my recruiter lied to me, this, that, or whatever. I've never took that approach. And I tell my guys, be, be yourself, be 100%. So the drill instructor, you cannot take nothing away from those guys because those guys take kids who are undisciplined mm -hmm. and mold them and, and, and transition them and make them the Marines they're going to be. 100%. That's the basic, right? But as a recruiter, man, and not because I'm a recruiter, and I, I, I love both because Mastani is the drill instructor that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to be the I pick that, that up I wanted, a lot. Right? Yeah, I pick that up. I, I, not that I wanted to be a DI, but I just feel like I have the energy within me to just drive, drive, and motivate people, right? So, Mastani gives me a little bit of that, that drill instructor, you know, heart. Uh, but the, 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 to be able to communicate and sit in somebody's office and make, bring, bring people back in the Marine Corps, bring kids into the freak, and it just, it's a different, man. So, the recruiter, man, is a challenging job. Because people not used to know, right, sales. Mm -hmm. not, not, we don't join the Marine Corps to sell. Right. Now I understand, you know, that's why a lot of Marines have issues at times because they find it difficult. But it's just something that makes you more well-rounded once you complete that, that task. And the impact you have on kids forever. And, and people and Marines is just pretty cool. So to me, I, not because I am a career recruiter, but just because of the way I was brought up by my recruiters and the impact you see. Uh, it's just different, man. It's different. I like the, the streets. I, I I just really like the way that you drove that. You know, like the, just drove that whole conversation. Because I was gonna ask, you know, what is it like? What was it like growing up? Let me phrase: not growing up. You're 17, 9-11, You about to join the Marine Corps. That right there, that thought process right there. What was that like? Because this would be the first time I've actually ever talked to somebody during. Because when nine eleven happened for me, I was in the sixth grade. Yeah. I was like ten or eleven. You you're an adult. And not only that, you're about to make one of the biggest decisions in your life. I, can you just walk me through that? But just, just, I was in school when the first plane hit the building. Boom. And then we're in the Bronx. So from the Bronx, you can see into the city. So you can see what's going on, but not really because it's kind of far. You see the smoke. So you're not really thinking what's going on. All I know is that they're going to they send it. Everybody's going home out of school. The trains are not working. Nothing's going on. Everything's shut down. So people right. got to walk. Like, so just seeing that and living through that, it just was one of those things that you don't want to experience again, right? So it was like a calling, man. Like it was just, I, I don't know what's happening. You know, I don't know what's going on. But seeing that and, and seeing the people and knowing people and, and, you know, it was just one of those feelings that I was like, hey, it's time. Like I, I'm going. Having experienced combat before, I mean, afterwards, do you ever recall to that moment right there? Yeah. Combat is fast, too. Combat mm -hmm. is not, you know, this different. Not what People you go through a lot of stuff, stuff yeah. you know. Um, I, I, this is the first time I ever actually talked or mentioned anything about being, being in combat. Oh, you no, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Listen, I don't have a problem. It's, that's the two sides of my career, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, we, it's nothing, bro. Nothing. Okay. It's light. Yeah, it's, that's the two sides of my career. Combat of me, man, my first nine years in the Marine Corps, I was an infantry guy. You know, I was an OT-31 machine gunner. Iraq, the Fallujah. You know, multiple deployments. I was in Japan, you know, 2-6 and went to Bagram for the elections, for Kaza elections in Afghanistan. And then, um, you know, Fallujah and Fallujah, you know. And 
that's, you know, you talked about you having a kid. When uh, my son was born, I was overseas, you know, so I didn't know if I was able to see my son when he was born. I came back from deployment, my son was born. Uh, he was six months. I, I know that feeling. So it's like now I've been gone, but yeah, man, I, it was just, I knew my purpose, man. No matter what happened, I just felt like I did the right thing, you know, because people forget no matter what conspiracy, no matter what's going on, that day changed everybody's lives, you know, that were within that period. You made a decision. And to me, that was, every time I was out there, I was doing the right thing for my family, you know. That's all I cared about. You know, we, college, we could have done different things. I could have, you know, we could have, nah, but I just I wanted to go. And I wanted to be in the infantry. Not, not really knowing what infantry was, I didn't know much about the Marine Corps, but I just knew I wanted to go. And I knew that the Marine, every Marine, the right for man, right? I knew that Marines, my mother was shook. Cause she had to get, you had to get the uh, parents', parents consent, consent yeah. right? So that's one of the hardest things, especially in a time of combat, that a recruitment has to do. Like, or, or any time you got to get PC. And then especially being yeah. from that environment right? and everything. And then my mother was crying. My mother was in tears. The recruiter going to cast his day. He's like, ma'am, ultimately it's his decision, and I understand the time that we're in. You know? And my, my mother, uh, she always supported every decision I made, even though I was young. And she looked at me, she cried, and she signed a parental consent because my mother knew that I was like, I was going to come back. She knew. She used to, but, she, but my mother always believed that somehow I would always come back. My mother's very, you know, spiritual lady, believes in God. She doesn't go to church much, but she has her candles and she prays and she says her prayers. And my mother just has a way of seeing things and she always felt comfortable that I would always return home. You know, I remember somebody asked me my third, third year in the Marine Corps. Like I had a cousin, they were doing like a report. And they asked me, they said, why did you join if I stay home? And were you scared about going to combat X, Y, and Z? And I said, it was either I was going to go to a different country and go to combat, or I was just going to go around the corner and go to combat. You know, and I, I think about that a lot. And it, it, it made me just recall to that exact moment, you know, that when you grow in, in those type of environments, regardless of the situation, you go and experience this. Is either at your leisure or it's going to be at your environment's leisure. And to just, it just really just puts into perspective the type of man that you are. I, I don't know why I'm just getting so choked no, up. I'm no, captivated it, by it. It goes to the you point, know? man. It goes to your point like you, you just said in the head. My, I didn't, my first dead body, and I hope I'm not going into too much, right? My first dead person, dead body wasn't in combat. Right. It was in 163rd Fox Street. I live in 940. We're playing off the wall. Uh, Pichon was the guy's name who got shot, Right. Whatever drug dealings were going on, that happened. Another guy comes up on his name was Alex, and he rest in peace as well because he died that same day down the block. Comes up with a Beretta, oddly enough, nine millimeter Beretta, which is our freaking pistol, right? So just right. Um, I qualified with the Beretta many times. Just after, right? <laughs> so the first time I seen the Beretta was not lethal weapon. Was that day when he's shooting Pichon. Boom, 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 boom. The guy crawled into the store. Two more shots. Alex runs a block down the street. He gets shot by somebody else. So he, they sent him to kill Pichon. Uh, somebody that we grew up in the neighborhood, you know, good dude took care of us, give us candy money. I was, what, 12, 13? That was my first year when I moved from Puerto Rico to New York because my mother had moved because I have a sister who's in the wheelchair, handicapped, so medical facilities are better over here. But I have not even one year from Puerto Rico, and boom, that's my first dead body. You know, I remember, damn, that's fucking heavy. But it also, it, you know, it makes me feel... My first four years in the military, I felt like I just wasn't supposed to be here. 
you know, and I, you know, my MOS, you know, being heavy equipment, you know, and, you know, not a lot of black people are in that, that particular field. So I'm around all of these people that I feel like can never relate to me. And I remember, cause we, you know, like, obviously like some of us hadn't even deployed yet. And I remember like my chief wants to be coming out there and OIC comes out there and he says, raise your hand if you have ever shot a gun before. Everybody hand, a lot of us hands go, you know, we got hunters and X, Y, and Z there. My hand go up. People look at me like I'm crazy. They said, now, raise your hand, keep your hand up if you have ever shot at someone. My hand's the only one that's still up. They say, keep your hand up if you've ever been shot at. My hand's the only one up. And I, I, I felt so, I felt proud, but at the same time, I felt alienated. I felt ashamed. And, you know, even now at this moment right here, I think back and I thank my environment. Because if I was, because I had been exposed to that, it allowed me to be trained for this now. And then now just sitting across from you and seeing and hearing somebody that experienced the exact same things. And, and just one, the question that I have is growing up through that, already experiencing it, and then going through those trials and those tribulations and experiencing that, do you think because of that, it allowed you to be able to get through it a lot differently? Uh, 100%. I mean, coming, like, coming up from a certain, like, growing up in certain environments, you know, teaches us, a little, you know, people talk about street forms, common sense, a little bit of, you know, being the situational awareness, you know. There's a lot of guys out there that are very, very smart, smarter than me, mm-hmm. right? And guys that can build you whatever, and guys that could do anything, but when it came to leading Marines or just taking care of your people and not being worried about, Anything because you trained the guys, you prepared yourself mentally, physically. You know, you never, you never know what's going to happen when you're out there, right? But you just know that you did everything and anything you could to make sure your team was ready. 100%. And then coming up in New York, you know, I was alone. I had my father, nothing. It was me and my mom and my sister, so I kind of make decisions. But I've always had good people around me that take care of me or that told me, gee, don't do this or you don't do that. But I always made my own decisions. So, you know, Rob, jump. Had to skedaddle, had to run a couple of times, you know. It's that kind of like just molded me, you know. And I was good, like I said, I was a good kid. I was never a troublemaker. I was never out in the streets doing a lot. But I I knew how to get around. That that just put a different mentality when I got into the Marine Corps. Being different, being louder, being just from a different area. I was only, I was was blessed to go to SOI with a bunch of cats from New York. It just we all linked up. You know, Brooklyn Queens, uh, one of the corner. He's an NYPD officer right now. A good friend of mine. We served. So, but when we went to the fleet, we kind of split up. And I, I was a machine gunner when I got to the platoon. And there was a bunch of country white dudes, big yoked up, you know. And then that was stop, law, stop, free. So a lot of guys during that time were about to get out, but got held up to go overseas. So those guys were already just grown. Mm-hmm. You know, here I come. My introduction to the platoon was I got put in a room and hey. Welcome to the platoon. Let's book it. So there was a couple more men, big guys. I wasn't. I was a lot smaller when I got you know than I am now. I'm not the biggest guy, but I was a lot smaller then. That was my intro. I had to throw down with some of the mortarmen <laughs> in the room uh, because my machine gun section was somewhere else. So it was messing with me. But I think that because I defended myself and I didn't back down, and those guys took me under the wing and, and they trained me well. I will say that definitely, like growing up. And that type of environment changes your character a, a, a completely different way. And, you know, you see, you know, one of the saddest stories is like when you see somebody that cannot make that transition, you know, and I, once again, I feel like transition is going to echo throughout this entire episode, but I feel like 
when I was going through boot camp, when I was going through MOS school, when I was going through the military, I had to be able to make this transition. And I had to tell myself, I'm not in Detroit no more. You know, you're not, you're not in Detroit no more. You're mm -hmm. not on X, Y, and Z. Failure to adapt, they send you home. I said this in a video before, and, and that, that was me. I, we, we made the transition. You know, I, I, I wanted to be there. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be a Marine, not knowing what it's gonna come down to, but I knew that I was gonna be in my own environment. And what I'm doing now is helping me move from where I was at. So made, made that transition, you know, and I go back to my recruiters, they prepare me for it, you know? And they told me, gee, it's gonna get real. And that you're gonna be around people you don't know, different, different environment, different ethnicities, different races, you know? And that's why I love the Marine Corps so much, man, but you live it about it. If you think about it in a platoon, in any platoon, you're gonna have a white dude, a, a Asian dude, a black dude, and some sort of Puerto Rican, whether it be Dominican, mm -hmm. Puerto Rican, some sort of Hispanic cat. And you look at my other fire team, and your fire team is that. You know, it's, that, it's diverse. You know, it's not one color, one nothing. And then we all wear green and we all wear desert. And we all going to go out there together, and hopefully we all return home together. Mm -hmm. And all of us do. And the ones that do, we got to carry the torch. So, you know, for me, being able to adapt into the Marine Corps lifestyle was, was not, not challenging. You know, I was tested. And it was built to prepare me because we were going to combat. Mm -hmm. There was no sugar coat in that. We weren't prepared to. We, like, we were going. Like, we knew we were going. Right. You know? So, hey, dog, you want to get trained or you want to die? <sighs> Heavy. Now, just, 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 I just want to change the whole trajectory of where the episode is going because here we are with Roots in New York. We have a business in, D in New York. We have community ties in New York. Family ties in New York. The entire military fresh never you know I, I i i was thinking that you george anthony brainstorm i thought all of this was in new york i did mm. not know i'm down i'm in camp Pendleton. Mm. i didn't know this was up the street from me all of that in new york boom here we are in california hey you mentioned the name and i said it earlier we have brainstorm ga so because everything was in new york and the beauty of you know the military fresh network and not even that, just these little things that we carry in our hands 24-7 as a social media platform that's whatever it be, Instagram, Facebook, whatever we're using, that, that was key in my transition to the West Coast, huge. Because had I not been able to meet the George Anthony's and some of the other people that are already in Cali, then it would have been a worse transition than it was for me this, this first year, right? Because I would have been completely alone in a new environment, which we're going to make it happen. Right? right, we want to make it happen, whether it be painful or smooth. But it was a lot smoother, right? Because GA had came to New York already. I have met George Anthony. We've done events. We were together for almost almost two years prior to me coming out here. Mm -hmm. The Cocase, the Darnells, you know, they were already out here. You know, the, you know, I came to Cali and we broke bread before they came to New York. So I was already kind of like establishing a little bit of a network out here, regardless, right? Um, but it was all. It was all unplanned. I didn't know I was coming to New York. I'm sorry. I didn't know I was coming to California when I first met GA. I didn't. I, didn't, I met GA on social media when we were doing an event. The Military Fresh Network were doing the Fifth Fest in New York. And he, he puts a comment on, on Instagram. He's, yo, how do I get down? And I said, nah, my brother, I expect you to be here. I didn't say, how do you get down? I said, I expect you to be here. He said, check. Roger that. He, but before he came to New York, I flew to California one day prior to the event for a uh, a slate that was going on, again, I'm blessed by the opportunities the Marine Corps has given me to connect with the people I've connected. So I come to Cali, I walk in the brain, so I'm like, yo, you ready? So George flew 
to New York, and I was still in California. So George Anthony, he and not Matt and my partner's Tony, which is my you know my 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 partner at Mistani. He's one of the main trainers over there. Also, biz, my business partner, uh, retired Gunnar Sean Tony is a Marine Corps. Call him, we call him the beast. Absolutely. That guy's on another level. So George shows up to New York. I'm still in California. George walks into the gym, and we don't open up the floor just to anybody, right? Because it's, it's like boot camp. You're not, George and George just run the deck. If another guy comes into your house and is running your deck, and I, George Anthony showed me this a little bit, if somebody else comes to, you, to your deck, that means you, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Somebody walks in and runs your deck. But we knew that he could do it. So Tony goes, yo, George goes in. And Tony goes, kill it. And George came in there and just freaking ran the house. Like, ran the house, ran the house. And all my, all my clients, they're not used to that. You know, they're like, they don't know no better. They just know me and Tony and one of our other trainers. But he walked in. My, everybody was, like, locked on. And here I am in Cali. And George is running it. So I bring that to say, this God was already giving me not everything that I needed, but he was hooking me up with some, some pieces that will allow me to get through this transition of California, which was, like I said, from a personal standpoint, was challenging. But if I didn't have Georgie, I didn't have, you know, the Cokies and Darnells and some of the other people that are coming along the line later on in, into this year that I've been here, it would have been a lot challenging. You know, I just really just want to take a moment and just say, like, it's crazy how God works. You know, like, you, you might meet somebody and have an interaction with somebody a year, a week, a month prior to a major thing happening, but you don't even realize that the thing that's about to happen, that event that happened before, that's about to come around circle for what's about to happen. It's like the behind the scenes movements that you like, damn, like. It's bigger than us. You know? This is bigger than us. This is bigger than like, we think we control everything, but you know, people, a lot of people talk about energy. A lot of people talking about speaking into existence and a lot of people talking about a lot of things that are happening. Social media is highlighting a lot of that stuff. Right. But that's not new. Mm -hmm. You know, the universe has been around you know, law of attraction is something that's been around forever. 100%. You know, for ages, 100%, right? Yeah. But now, because of social media, people, but we've been speaking things into the sisters for the longest, you know, and that it just is beautiful to see coming full circle. So, yeah, it wasn't planned. You know, I didn't know. Once I found out I was leaving, I was coming to, I found out in the beginning of 19 that I was coming to California at the end of 19. I found out. I already knew. Like, the slave was happening. People were moving. Um, and I was like, yep, I'm, going, I'm moving. I'm going to Cali. Right. So I, I think I think I called GA like the same day. I think yeah, I'm going to Cali. And we have we, we planned it. But before he we even talked about it when GA came, you know, you know I, we talked. I said, Yo, what if I get stationed in California? So we were already the, the ball was rolling, you know. So you already had spoke that into yeah, existence. It was already out there, you know. Yeah. It was already out there, you know. I I told myself I was going to be in New York and work in New York because a lot of my recruiters were in New York for a long time. I did that when I was a police. I'm going to work in this building. I said it, and I ended up working in the building. I worked in Garden City, so it's scary, you know. When I came to Cali, though, for a little bit, I think I lost, I, I did lose my sense of purpose. Mm, can you elaborate? When I, I did have the pieces in place, right? I had people that were helping me, but I was the mayor, and now I'm like nothing. You know, and I, and I, and I really just want to take a moment and just pause for a second, because I, I know this feeling. I know this feeling. And it, it's, it's about that, once again, like transition just, just echoes throughout this. And I ask this, I... Two different parts of me are asking you this question right now. It's the me that's about to experience it, about to experience it, and the me that has experienced something like this. And the me that's experienced something like this, I remember being pulled out of my platoon, being gone for eight months up to a year, and coming back and asking myself, like, 
what am I supposed to be doing here? Everybody already has their purpose. Everybody is already doing these things. And now the me that's in the future is asking you this. And, you know, I, you know, we can call it like Gemini man or X, Y, and Z, but I'm asking you this in the sense of, I know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I know my role here. You know what I mean? Everybody already has got their own things. I've established myself here. What am I supposed to do when I get out there? Like, yeah, I know I got a job, but who am I out there? That's the question. Hey, we're ourselves. Nothing changes. We have the platforms, right? We have the tools. We have the internet. We have these mics that are connecting. It's just going to grow, you mm -hmm. know? And that's why I, I feel short because I, I started doubting myself and started, you know, questioning my ability to continue to network and meet people and grow. And it was just a small window, right? Like from late after the holidays was really my son came from New York for the holidays. And I remember he that. left, I remember right? That. That's when I was like, oh, but luckily I, you know, then COVID hit. So everything slowed down, but slowly but surely, you know, people, people could say, oh, gee, you know, nobody knows what I went through. People could be like, oh, but it's not that bad. It's not that you in Cali. What's the, so no, it's, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. So luckily, like I said, I, having you guys, right? As the year went on, the year got better. 2020, I'm going to be honest, it has it was a rough year for a little while, but it's been a good year in many different ways because we relationships have gotten stronger. Bonds have gotten better. The, the people that are around me are, are you know, we, we just connected in different levels because of the pandemic, right? Because of what's going on. So it's, we just got to continue to grow, man. We have the tools. I myself smacked myself in the face a couple of times. This last trip to New York was, was good for me um, because it kind of recharged my batteries a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But now I'm back, man. I'm here, and we got to continue to grow, continue to push. We can. We can do it, you know? We got to continue to continue to grow and continue to push because we, we, we can. Because we have the ability to, you know? So these tools that we have, we just got to go, man. You're going go to go. When you go to Virginia, to the Mace, you're going to be in an environment with professionals. You're going to be teaching people. You're going to be helping people. Plus, the, the platform that you have, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I watched it and I heard it throughout the, <laughs> the, the hey, yeah, yeah, clear it out. my bad, my bad. Clear it out. You good. The platform that we have, man, it's, this is just another piece of it. You're adding now, now you're going to a different location with different personalities, with different people where you're going to be with a connect with. And it might not be everybody, but it's going to be somebody in there that's going to benefit from you being there. So, you know, I remember, I remember when we, when we locked in, Earlier this year, we said, like, you know, we're going to lock in the episode. And obviously, like, life happens. Like, just life happens. And I was like, dang, you know, like, I remember talking to you and having that clarity call. And I was like, damn, a lot of things that he's talking about, I've experienced. I'm experiencing right now. And I just was, I was just blown away by the similarities, you know. And I feel like we don't give, we don't give enough energy to, we don't give enough acknowledgement to, what happens when we change our environments, when we make these changes in life, you know, we don't allow ourselves to be upset. You know, I know I woke up this morning. I was upset. I was, I was sad because although, yes, I'm about to make a big change within my life, although I'm about to do something I never thought that I would want to do a dream of mine, I'm also leaving. I'm going to miss people. I'm going to miss y'all, yeah. you know, and I remember having that conversation with you. And just thinking to myself, like, damn, this shit is real. But just like what I had said earlier, it's amazing how you might witness something. And you need to witness that because 
full circle. It's about to happen to you. You know, so I, I, I just, I, I really take a moment and just get my words. They get, they get so. It, 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 it's just, you know, people automatically assume that because we're in the military, we're accustomed to moving, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You move every three to four years, and it, and you're right. I was blessed to be in the East for such a long time, uh, just by one, the, the powers that be. The ability and the positions that I was in, I didn't plan to stay there. It just happened in a line in my career kept me there that long. But, you know, it's still hard to, to move around. And, you know, you can't stay with yourself. You can't stabilize. You can't be, you know, maybe you, you, you're doing great things and now you got to go. But because we have these tools, the social media, we have the, the, the Internet and all these things, man, we, we really we shouldn't even have to skip a beat. You know, like we that. should be able to kind of continue and pick up because now we have you know this. And, and, and the people we stay in contact with. You know, because we have these tools, they're going to be there. And if the people kind of disappear or whatever, you know, because we all have life situations that we got to take care of, then maybe it was just time to, to grow, right? We all grow our situation, all grow our scenario. And, and now that I sit here now, a year later, there's some change. It was good that I left New York. It was good. It was the perfect timing for me to leave. It was great uh, because now I'm over here and all I'm doing is I'm, I'm bettering myself because of the people that I'm around now. You know, I'm making myself better. I'm making myself more marketable. One, from a Marine Corps standpoint, right? Because now I, I'm successful in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, su- I'm successful in the West Coast. And it's not my, my doing. It's by my team. Because mm-hmm. nothing that I do. You know, I, I'm just there to assist and train. Um, but they're all performing, you know. So the team is being successful. So now, okay, maybe it's not just that I was in New York. And I was comfortable. You know, I became uncomfortable and I came here and team is doing great professionally, right? So it's needed. Change is needed for growth. You know, and I didn't want to see it at first, but I know. I know it's necessary. And I'm and I'm enjoying it now. And we're coming out of that dark phase of, of you know regret. And now we we taking action and we making moves and things are happening and we back to meeting good people and back to connecting and back to talking about the events that we need to lock on and things we need to do. You know, so it's perfect. It's, it's perfect, you know. And then as you're getting ready to head out, and I'm getting ready to come out of my damn little dark environment, you know, we're both going to a new place, and it's, it's, we're going to continue to grow. So it's just it's been an experience, but it's fun, man. It's, it, we got to embrace it. We can't fight it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, as we come to a close with this episode, is there any, any last save rounds that you would want to leave? Like, if you could just lead one, leave one piece of advice for somebody, what would it be? Hey, don't want to do it. We got to do it. Mm. We don't want to do some of the things we have to do. We don't want to stay in shape. We don't want to continue to carry the torch and continue to do the right thing and, and progress. We got to do it because there's people that depend on us, you know? And, and I can't be standing and I can't hold back because I know that there's people that depend on us, you know, that the people that we can help. And there's people that's willing to help us. So we just got to continue to grow, man, continue to push forward. And things will get better. 100%. 100%. Now, now, just like that, another extraordinary thought left this ordinary mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode half as much as I enjoyed making it. Any handles? Where can I find you? Where can we find oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's the, the G-Man underscore ETP. You know, this was the first time I ever said your, first, your, your full name out loud. Like, if, I thought I was saying it wrong because I had never said it before. Yeah, G-Man underscore ETP. And ETP stands for Endurance to Pain. And that's a whole nother episode or something I believe in. And I have a tattoo on my leg and in my body. The key to survive is endurance to pain. Uh, and that's uh, what resonates. So I'm on Instagram, mainly. 
you know? I did so, not know that that's what it meant. Yeah. Wow. Peter survivors endurance to pain. You can you can correlate that, you can connect that, you can paint that to anything, you know. So I wanna I wanna close off by by bringing someone that's been in the room the whole time who's without this person, uh, a lot of the stuff that I've been through, I've probably not been able to go through it because he was the one that was to my left and to my right at all times. Whether he was screaming at me, yelling at me, or checking me when he needed to be checked. But I'm grateful for this man to be here. And then we gotta we if we were missing, we don't get him in the podcast in with us. So hey G. Come on, on, yo. <clears throat> hey, you know, I was like, moment of transparency. I had been looking over at uh, over at George Anthony this entire time, and I was thinking to myself, like, how do I ask for him to show up on the show without like taking away from this nah, episode? This is, this is this is the this is why we're here, man. We're connected, so it will it will be a it wouldn't be an episode if I don't bring GA at least to close it out, say a few words with with the we call him the voice. <laughs> and me and you still have to sit down. Regardless. Absolutely, me and absolutely. You still have to sit down regardless. Again. All right, so it's a side mic. So I just really want to just go on the record. He just yelled at a kid. Like I just, I just I literally just watched that. I heard his voice, and I'm just like. I was trying to think the whole time, how am I going to approach this? Because I don't want to come across like I'm right. these people's kid. So I just, I just went out and I said, "Hey, excuse me, guys, we're we're recording a podcast right now." Picking up a lot of noise. They're kids, so they know what a podcast is, yeah. right? So, I'm like, picking up a lot of noise. You don't mind if you move down the sidewalk a little bit. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, he actually said, if you don't mind moving down to the side with Trini accent, you're like, oh, <laughs> so you translate that right quick. Translate, though. Translate, over. Uh, a, a year a year of being with Jay, I kind of picked up. I, I feel like I'm Trini at times now. <laughs> Yo, I love the energy, man. I love the energy. But what's been going on? Anything? What's been going well, on? I'm still, still kicking and screaming figuratively and literally. I'm right. Say. But um, obviously, the whole coronavirus thing has impacted the business and that type of thing. But we improvise, adapt, and overcome. You know what I mean? So we make things happen regardless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you know, there has always just been something I've always wanted to ask you. And I remember me and you talked about it a while back. And me and you, this was the first conversation that me and you ever really had. And like... We always try to have, we always had this conversation like in a place where it's like, well, we can finally like now, this is the chance where we can actually have that conversation. Yeah. But what is the difference between being hungry and starving? Oof. You can go hungry. Mm-hmm. Like people say, oh, I'm hungry. Like you don't hear people say I'm starving necessarily. Like if you're hungry, you can continue to go hungry. If you're starving, that only lasts so long before you die. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you meet an animal in the wild, Right. I'm sure most people have seen that video of a, it's a leopard, I believe, or a jaguar that goes into this, this body of water and attacks an alligator or a crocodile. Talking about, yeah. Right. I guarantee you that 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 big cat wasn't just hungry. Mm. Right. Because he took himself out of his element mm. into another alpha's element. Right. Safe to say the alligator, the crocodile, whatever. They are the alpha and that in, will, yeah, in the body 100%. of water. In comparison to a big cat. Right? So he took himself out of that element and took that risk because he was starving. Because he thought, if I don't eat this thing right here, I'm not gonna make it till tomorrow. Right? I'm not I might not make it till tonight. Right? I think that's the biggest difference between hungry and starving. If you're hungry, you can continue to go hungry. It takes you a while to get to the point of starving. And starvation ends up in 
forcing you to do things that you probably wouldn't normally do, right? Things that are outside of your comfort zone, things that you would probably have never done under any other circumstance, if not only for survival. I think that's one of the biggest, that's, that's like the primary difference between being hungry and being stuck. You know? It, 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 you put us both together, uh, you said the energy, once, once we and him start talking over here, you know it's like a, you know, like in, like the whole time, like you know, this this is the crazy part. Is like the whole time I'm thinking, like, damn, man, like you know, they both here. You know, I, I really want to just, but nah, you can't. Like, all right, we'll do two different episodes and then yeah, do the third yeah, episode he's as he's gonna have his term, but we, I, I, I live by my word, but we go all eat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, like, I'm I'm proud of my team. I'm, I'm like, that's a hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm proud of what we're doing. So, like, I'm not gonna not bring them into the. This is. He's part of the reason why I survived in California. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna knock, even if it's just a few minutes to close it down and y'all pick it up when y'all left off. Oh, I like that. Know? I like that. I like that. And just, I ain't even about to do the outro, man. Shout out to Brainstorm Fitness once again. Shout out to you, gentlemen. Like, boy, shout out to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when we first met, I was seeing videos, on little clips of you sitting in a closet. You oh yeah. yeah. I was seeing little clips of you sitting in a closet. With some shelving in the background and some kicks and some dirty cabbies on the floor. 100%. Right? 100%. And there wasn't a rig like this. You didn't have this articulating arm and all this other kind of man. <laughs> bike, you know what I'm saying? So, big ups, my boy, right? Author, podcast, sound engineer, all this other kind of, Like, you doing things that people, that wasn't a thing once upon a time. This wasn't a thing, right? Like, so... People tell me all the time, oh, you need to speak. You should talk. You should this. You should that. I agree. And they don't necessarily understand what that even looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Both from a logistics standpoint, both from what it takes to actually start. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you where to start to, to do a podcast. You know what I'm saying? So big ups to you, my boy. And I know this is only beginning still, right? 100%. Everything is transitional, like you talked about. Going to the East Coast, we already talked about that. Right, about preparing to go, high to course, dojo, etc., etc. Like, no, the, the circle of influence grows, the expectation is higher, right? So, one of the biggest things that we've always done since we first met is kind of just check each other. Hey, what's this? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? You know what I'm saying? So, and a lot of times, and I'll, I'll shut up now because if not, we're going to. Oh, no, 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 because me and you were on it. I was going to bring up the movie that me and you did. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot all about that. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Um, Right, but at the, at the end of the day, one of the things that I've been seeing a lot, and Brian talked about it, like Jiman talked about it, is that people people don't like to get checked mm-hmm. nowadays. Right, they see it as negative, they see it hey. as hating, and so on and so forth. But boy, if, if I if I don't rock with you, I ain't gonna tell you nothing. Right, 100%. I won't say anything to you. I can just watch you fail or watch you do whatever, watch you learn from your own mistakes or whatever the case is. So we get that a lot, especially if you, G-Man talks about all the time about being a gorilla, right? A gorilla can move in silence or he can bring the whole house down, mm. right? But the presence that we all bring, right? People who aren't, like this is one of the first times I've ever been around, like had so many alphas in my circle, Right? Because normally, we roll alone, right? You walk into a room, you figure out who the weak ones are real quick, you eat them, and then we take over everything. 100%. And I'm going to point it out there, like we talk about, that's what's going to happen when you get to the, to the base. Period. Right? But 
that's that's kind of just how we operate. You know what I mean? So for all of us to be together, whether it's literally in the same physical space or Virginia, New York, Florida, Vegas, San Diego, Texas, whatever the case might be, you know what I mean, that's that's new for me. I but that's what I relish in. I relish in the I don't know if I, I can curse on the podcast. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, you can curse on the podcast. I, 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 I crave shit talking. Yes. Right? I told, and I realized this the other day. That was one of the things I realized that I missed the most about being around people like yourself is talking shit. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can't do that with most people. You can't do that with, dare I say, regular people, right? Because we're not regular people. 100%. So 100%. you can't really do that with regular people. You can't call people on the shit be like, yo, what if fuck is this? Yeah, right? Those, like, those shoes are tight, but they're not left over right with a bridge. And that's a tight-ass fucking shave you got. You know what I'm saying? Because like, people will be like, oh, they're one, they're going to be like, oh, why are you hating? Mm-hmm. Or they'll be like, oh, uh, you just, why are you just talking shit? You're just talking shit because whatever, whatever, call it jealousy, call it this, call it that. But boy, I tell people, I say, yo, you, like, people don't have anything I want. You know what I mean? But if I check you, it's because I know you're better than that. Me and Koke were just talking about this and we were just saying like a lot of people like you got to appreciate the ones that are going to hold you accountable. Yeah. I appreciate that more than the ones who people will literally sit there they'll watch you sink. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? They'll watch you get your fourth DUI. They'll watch you you know beat, you know, beat the hell out of your wife. They'll yeah. watch you do the things that you're not supposed to do or let me rephrase let me even take the negative out. They'll allow you to be stagnant knowing that you're capable of so much more. Yeah. And, and and be okay with that. Like, I want to be told, like, yo, Meech, like, you could be a lot more. Like, if you took this serious, you could take it to the next level. Like, yeah. that's what love really we, is. We did it on the, I mean, not to bring it up, and we, and we got, you know, you know, all day, but we did it on the live. Remember mm-hmm. the whole time you went on the live? I remember that. So, so, so to give it a little context, so I remember, um, G Man has always just been like a hidden figure within like like a lot of like 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 if you ever like seen like my podcast antics, G Man has really been like a hidden figure behind a lot of things. I could talk about San Diego, but like G Man has been a real big hidden figure. And I remember I had just started getting into the flow of like going live, and I remember I got, I go live and I start asking questions, but I got frustrated. You know what I mean? Because yeah. people weren't people weren't asking answering fast as I was answering the questions, and I had only been on live and my live was already building up. And I ended up just getting frustrated, cutting it off. Because I was just like, why am I even on here? Y'all not interacting. Yeah. And it, just, it was just frustrating. Immediately, I get a message. And it's from G-Man. He says, yo, you got to have a plan when you go on these lives. Also, you also need to allow people time to type out what they're that's trying close. to say. Yeah. Because I was in the middle of answering your question, but you got frustrated and pulled it off. That right there. You know, one, it takes love to be able to tell somebody that, but it also takes a certain level of maturity to be able to receive that. Absolutely. You know, and I had to check myself. And I read the message, and then I got back on live again. And I was on live for like 30 minutes, actually just engaging with content, everybody. Yeah, just talking, because at the end of the day, you can save it live. You can put it out there. People can still hear you, and then they'll stay up. You know, so regardless of the facts, I was just like, um, we're always watching. We got to help each other out. Man. We got to help each other out. People don't like doing that. 100%. You know, but we're... We're a team, man. We're family, believe it or not. And I'm grateful for, for that. I'm grateful for having me able to do that. You know, because if I didn't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't do it, nobody else is going to do it. 100%. You know, so we need that. 100%. 100%. If this had to be my last episode in California, I'm glad that it was done here. 
I thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate yeah. y'all. So when he called me, he's like, hey, you just want to drop the podcast. Like, we do it at your house. It's going to be loud, echoing, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I'm going to the gym. I'm like, he already knows the key. He knows the key code. He knows the alarm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So my home is your home always, man. The same thing across the board. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Once again, if you didn't realize, we we, we, we in the middle of brainstorming fitness right now shooting this episode it seemed like ever since i tore down my house and like like left like as i'm moving out i've been doing episodes and like i was i did an episode oh, in the park yeah, it's been, yeah i did it in a car it's, it's been wild it's been a different experience lately that's good though you add that to the mix you know you, you know I, to the mix. i'm excited i'm excited i still i don't know what happened to that movie i don't know what happened. I, I, I haven't got the messages i don't know movie ever drop apparently like i got with the i got with one of the screenwriters yeah and <laughs> <laughs> So, quick, quick backstory. The first time Beach and I met in person was through Koke. Right. Koke was like, hey, um, I got an opportunity to be in this movie. You're going to play SWAT. Mm-hmm. Shout uh, out to Like SWAT team members, but the whole movie is in Spanish. Yeah. And <laughs> me and G-Man don't speak Spanish. That's right. Cool. No, and, no, no, no. I, 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 don't, I don't speak Spanish. Right. So, we're, they were like, oh, there's not necessarily any talking lines. And the people, the actual the director, etc. They speak English. So it's like, all right, cool. So a couple hours drive up to LA. We're chopping it up, chopping it up. Walk into this house, apparently. The part of town is like the porn capital of the world. Yes, we were in the valley. So I was, we was like, whoa, wait, hold on. What kind of movie is this? What kind of movie is this? <laughs> it's on ice. I don't um, think it's on the phone. But that was a fun day. That was a fun day. The next day, I think I got coronavirus, matter of fact. Oh yeah, Actually, I got super sick the day after that. So we and I remember um, we're we're doing the episode, and I remember you coming up to like, this is my first real conversation with George Anthony, and I remember he asked me, he was like, "So what's your story?" I'm in character. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. I'm, I got yeah, the SWAT yeah. suit on. So I, I think I'm talking to Meech, right? He's and he gives me like the SWAT team character. Uh, you know what I, mean? I looked yes. at him. I told him I was like, oh, you know, I'm a rookie. You know, I'm a rookie on the forest. You know, Koke brought me on. You know, I, I'm coming from homicide. You know, over into SWAT. He's like, what? I was like, oh, oh, you want to know me? Like, I'm not a character. Oh, and then like you know, so needless to say, because me and George Anthony don't speak, you know, the language of the movie, we're we're SWAT, but we're the other team. We're the we're, we're yeah. yeah. And this lady, she comes out because we like the wet one of the weapons falls to the ground, it breaks, and like she's yeah, so upset. False weapons, right? Fake weapons, super cheap, not for nothing. Like, it, like, honestly, positive control weapon type of thing, right? But I literally, like, lean it up against the wall, bumped it, did it, fell over, thing broke into a million people's pieces. She came out, I was like, oh snap. And then prior to that, right, it was funny because she came out, she's like, what happened? Totally unprompted. Beach was like, it was my fault. <laughs> and it totally wasn't his fault. It was all my fault, right? Because I set the weapon down. And when he did that, it, uh, instantly I was like, fuck this guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? He was like, I was like, yo, this man put his neck. You know what I mean? He, he dove in. He jumped in front of the bullet. Just like that. Um, and we had just met. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right, bye. Um, gotcha. She was living though. She was. She, yeah, she, she was, was not happy about upset. that. She, she was, was not happy about. She's that. like, no, I gotta take this back. She's like, I got some glue or something. I was like, hey, chill out. You know what I'm saying? Like, calm down. If you needed dark my pay to replace it, we put a weapon. Not That's probably deal. why we never got paid for that. Yeah. That's probably no, why yeah. we never got paid. We did. Because I'm broke. Because I feel that passing control of my, my fucking weapon all the whole time. Hey, now we know. But, <laughs> But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, please pay attention to the show notes because not only will my handle be there, but 
these gentlemen's handle will be there. Also, Brainstorm Fitness, all of that. Mastani, all of that. You already know the fucking vibes. Bye. Let's go! Just like that, another extraordinary thought left this ordinary mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode half as much as I enjoyed making it. Stay tuned Mondays and Fridays. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Meech Speaks. Once again, that's Meech Speaks. Meech is spelled M-E-E-C-H. Don't forget to share this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, follow this podcast, pass this podcast to somebody because this podcast was dedicated to helping everyone become a better version of themselves. Even though I don't know what that type of version is, I just know that you can be better. Lastly, don't forget to grab your copy of The Extraordinary Thought from the Ordinary Mind, available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. I think there's an electrical copy. You know what it is. Stay hungry. Stay motivated. I'm out.